Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe. Coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. Welcome to the Tuesday Crew here on this Tuesday afternoon. I'm Dylan Allen alongside Doug Willig. We're going to stay on for about an hour here. Um, but first, let's start it off, Doug, with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns, the NBA Finals. All right, that's that's the main event tonight. Tip-offs at 9 p.m. Eastern on ABC. The Bucks lead the series 3-2 to two, uh, after winning the past three games in the series. They started off down 0-2 in the first two games in Phoenix and then won all th- and then won two at home and then took game five against Phoenix and beat them 123-119 in Arizona. So the game tonight comes back to Milwaukee where they can clinch the 2021 NBA championship with a win tonight over the Phoenix Suns. Doug, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Yeah, Dylan, I'm doing good. Excited to be here on the show today you know i just listening to the intro i think that that's troy's voice and he says you know it's the revolutionary show so i'm yeah. excited here. you know i didn't really listen to that closely even though i've heard it a million times so i'm excited to be you know revolutionary today <laughs> uh that was probably very cringeworthy but anyway yeah it's like you said nba finals today and oh by the way thank you for anyone listening dylan went in again today to produce so i am at home he is in the studio and I appreciate him driving half an hour to produce today. That being said, you know, like Dylan said, we got NBA Finals, Bucks, Suns, Game 6 today. Um, the other Bucks, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, actually invited the – or, excuse me, they went to the White House today to visit Joe Biden. So interesting going, interesting things going on there. I mean, that's kind of just standard tradition. I know during the Trump presidency, the visits since always happen, but – uh, interesting visit happening today, and so we can kind of, I mean, touch on that. There's not really much to say there, though. But yeah, the main thing for our hour-long show today could be will be NBA Finals Game Six, Nine, and Nine. And yeah, and let's start right there too, Doug. Main event tonight: Bucks up three-two in the series. They're they're opening at five-point favorites at home. Do you think they take it home here, Doug? And give me your reasons why or why not. And you know. Provide some evidence for me because I think that they will. Yeah, so game six tonight. I mean, you know, I mentioned this on the show last time how the home team won the first four games. So Phoenix won the first two in Phoenix, Milwaukee won the next two in Milwaukee, and then Milwaukee actually sold game five in Phoenix. So now this game is in in Milwaukee now because we have the 2 2 1 1 1 format. So game six is in Milwaukee. And Milwaukee has the, the home court advantage to kind of send this home. After the uh, – or not after, but the last two games have had exciting finishes. They've been close. Uh, it's been, you know, single-digit contests that have kind of come down to some exciting final possessions, you know. Sometimes if a game is, you know, already decided by the fourth quarter, it's just garbage time. It could be bled by the end. But uh, that's not what we had these last two games, you know, that Drew – specifically this last game, the, the Drew Holiday steal-off, uh, when he, he stripped Devin Booker and threw the alley-oop to Giannis uh, right. to give them the, I think it was a three-point lead at that point. Um, uh, Giannis missed the free throw. Chris Middleton 
eventually made a free throw to make it a four-point lead. But So that, that game was close all the way to the end. Now today, as you mentioned, Bucks are the five-point favorite. Uh, game, of course, is in Milwaukee. And I think, I mean, we know that these teams are pretty evenly matched. But I think that the Bucks win the NBA Finals tonight. I think they win game six. I think they win their first title in 50 years. And I'll, uh, you know, when we do our last of the week segment later, uh, I'll go into more specifics on that. But I, I just think that, I mean, Chris Paul, I know last game he was good. He had 21 points, 11 assists. That being said, Sorry there, I just coughed. Yeah, I know. I, I tried to. I, I muted myself because I didn't want to cough on air, but <clears throat> and then now I just did instead of muting myself that time. Apologies, but anyway, last game Chris Paul had twenty one points and eleven assists, but he's had some turnover issues this uh, this series. So with that being said. I just think that, you know, it depends on how... I mean, Devin Booker's had 40-point games the last two games. So he's been... He's stepped up. But even though it's, he's the first player in NBA history, Devin Booker, to have 40-point games in uh, back-to-back finals losses. So it even if Devin Booker has a good game today, it depends on... You know, it might not be enough. He could drop 45. You know, we've seen him drop 40 in two straight losses. So it depends. I mean, I think that the Bucks. I mean, we saw the three-headed monster, Giannis and Middleton and Holiday. each dropped 27-plus last game. So I think, you know, they kind of – they have the momentum, obviously, winning three in a row, and that's why I would pick Milwaukee to win today. Yeah, um, you know, I'd have to agree with you there, Doug, for similar reasons. I think the Bucks they started off very slow in the series. They, they As I pointed out, they started down 0-2 against the Suns uh, in – in two games where the Bucks really didn't look good, I mean, they were not very close games. They, they were double-digit wins for the Suns. The first game was one eighteen to one hundred five, and then the second one was one eighteen to one hundred eight. So a thirteen-point win and a thir- and a ten-point win in back-to-back games for the Suns. It didn't look very good for the Bucks. And then game three, when the Bucks bring it to Milwaukee for game three, they beat the Suns by twenty points. And at that point, you're kind of thinking, all right. They just beat them by 20 points. This team can compete with the Suns. They're, they're going to give them a run for their money. Game four, this is the first game that is actually close and is decided by single digits. The Bucks won that one 109-103. to 103. Now you take it to game five, right? The Suns open up with a great first quarter. They scored 37 points in the first quarter, and the Bucks had 21. So they had a 16-point lead after the first quarter, and... I looked on FanDuel right when the first quarter ended. Doug, Vegas gave Milwaukee plus 450 odds to win the game on their money line after the first quarter. They were at plus 450, and they put up a 43 spot in the second quarter to crawl themselves back in this game. And they just, they, they, it was just a back and forth game from there on out. As soon as the Bucks brought it back, and I believe they were leading at halftime too, so as soon as they brought it back, you knew that this was going to be a fun game five, and you're right, Doug. That it was 120 to 119, with about I want to say, um, let's see here, with 13 like seconds, yeah, 13 yeah. seconds or so, 
Giannis made the, the dunk with the assist from Holiday that gave him a three-point lead, which was on a Devin Booker turnover forced by Drew Holiday. He stole the ball. So let's not forget, the Suns had the ball with 16 seconds left, down one point, and Drew Holiday forced the steal against Devin Booker, which led to the alley-oop dunk to give them the, the Bucks the three-point lead there. So it then forced the Suns to foul and make uh, hope that the Bucks would miss free throws, and then they eventually you know, sent... Um, Middleton to the line where he made two of two, I believe. Or no, he made one of two. Yeah, so, they had issues as a team yeah. with free throws. Mainly Giannis. I think Giannis was, I'm going to check, I think he was 4 of 11 last game. He, he was 4 of 11. As a team, they were 9 of 17. But those, you know, most of those misses were Giannis. The non, non-Giannis, they were 5 of 6 from the line. Giannis was 4 of 11, so that combines with the 9 of 17. It ended up not hurting them in the end. Right, uh, but then again, had Giannis, let's say, went I don't know, eight of eleven or seven of eleven or nine of eleven or whatever, you know, it might not have been as close coming down the stretch. That being said, you can't really get into specifics like that. What happens happens, but certainly, if you know, we talked earlier. I think Giannis had like a really good game from the line. I think he went like thirteen to seventeen one game earlier this series. But yeah. his 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 free throw shooting has continued to be. I don't want to say, I mean, like, it, it hinders him. It doesn't hinder him, like, making him a bad player. It just, it just stops him from being, like, completely unstoppable. Like, right. if he's if he's hitting, like, let's say 80% from the line instead of 60%, then that's just, like, a, that's just a huge difference. Really. It's a human cheat code. I mean, you just drive yeah. to the hoop every possession, get fouled, and make pretty much 8 out of 10 a game. I mean, that's right. kind of just unfair. And then on top of it, probably makes about 50% of his end ones. You got to think of that too. And right. he ha- and at that point if he could shoot free throws, Doug, I think it's safe to assume that he could shoot a three ball as well. So, you know, I Yeah. It's kind of he, he would be a human cheat code. Yeah, I mean, he's still I mean, he's like 26, so he's not young, like but I I'm talking like in uh NBA sense. So, he's just entering his prime now. I just don't know like I mean, I I'm think he's been in his prime. He's won two MVPs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's been in his prime. I'm saying, like, I'm kind of just thinking out loud. Can he, can, like, how much could he improve his free throw? Right. I'm no, like, professional shooting coach. I'm no expert on any of this. But I'm just thinking, like, at this point in his career, do you think it's possible for him to go from, like, 58% what he's shooting now to, like, maybe, like, 75%? I mean, that would be a huge bump. Maybe not that, that big an increase, but... At this point, you know, Doug, I, I get what you're saying. At this point, it's kind of like yeah. too far in his career to kind of try and change everything and see if it'll work. Right. To me, if they win the NBA Finals, Doug, I don't see them changing anything. I think they I think they would keep everything the same, and especially if Giannis continues to play like he has been through the first five games. Uh, I think that this team will find ways to work around Giannis's, you know, free throw mishaps and stuff like that because they've been able to win games where he shoots 50% from the line. Like it's it, it, it they found ways to work around that. It's not like that's their Achilles heel. It's not like let's say the Suns are winning these games by three points and Giannis is missing six free throws a game, right? That's not the case. He's missing five, six free throws a game and they're still winning by five points. So I feel like yes, if he could make the free throws, these games would be maybe bigger uh, deficits. But it they found ways to work around them. I think and I think that's what Middleton brings to the table. Uh, he's the he's the free throw guy. But another thing, too, Doug, that I'm looking at, I'm looking at the fourth quarter, and when I, I looked at the alley-oop dunk from Giannis, right. after that, I believe he was fouled. 
Chris Paul fouled him, which was a stupid foul, yes. by the way. Dumb yes. foul. But he fouled Giannis, and Giannis misses the free throw. Keep in mind, they're still yes. up 122-119, okay. and they allow a offensive rebound. Right, and I remember Giannis kind of, on that offensive rebound, he kind of just tapped it up over his head. And I think they, they honestly got kind of lucky, right, because he just tapped it up over his head just to give the ball new life. And right. it happened to go right to Middleton. Right. But, I mean, unless, unless I was looking at things wrong, I'm not watching the highlight right now. I'm just saying this from memory. I think that it kind of looked like Giannis was just hitting it, like, just kind of hit it to hit it. I don't think he was hitting it to Middleton. I don't think he saw Middleton. It happened to go to Middleton. But if that went wrong, you know, it could have led to a potential fast break for the Suns or something along those lines. But what happened, happened. And like you said, that's a very bad offensive rebound to give up. You know, the way the free throw is set up, you got two guys on the shooting team on the line there and then four from the opposing team. So... To not box down and get that rebound is important. And the fact that Giannis was able to bat it up and get the ball to Middleton, uh, you know, it sealed the deal, right? Because the Middleton made one of his two and put the, made it a two-possession game. So, you know, critical things like that down the stretch, you know, little fundamental things like that can be the deciding factor in the game. And that's what happened there in game five. Right. And it's – I'm looking – and I don't re- really remember either, Doug, whether he – you know, tipped it back and he just happened to go to Chris Middleton or if he saw him and kind of just shoved it towards him. I don't really remember, but you're right. That's a dumb foul. He misses the free throw. Then you allow an offensive rebound with DeAndre Ayton still on the floor who, you know, he's been getting double-digit rebounds pretty much every game, so there's no excuse there. You know, it's not like they were playing a small ball lineup or something where Ayton was fouled out. He was playing. You can't allow that free throw. So And that's with 9.8 seconds left. It wasn't like it was .3 seconds where it was pretty much a heave shot. If you're the Suns, you get the rebound, you call a timeout, you drop a play, you're still down three points, and you would still have a chance to potentially tie this game and send it to overtime. But no, you allow the rebound, you let Middleton go to the line, where essentially he only needs to make one to seal the deal. Uh, he missed the first one and then made the second one, um, which then pretty much, you know, Closed it out for the Bucks, giving them the four-point lead uh, with still 9.8 seconds to go. But it's just the little things, I think, is what's killing the Suns. You, you mentioned Chris Paul and his turnovers and even Devin Booker, too. I, I mentioned the one that led to the Giannis dunk, but there were plenty more throughout the game and even the other games that they lost. Because don't forget, the Bucks have won the last three in a row. So obviously there have been some miscues for the Suns in terms of ball control from Booker and Chris Paul where it's led to... Uh, it's led to points for the Bucks, which really hurt a team um, like the Suns, where they really rely on their backcourt to get the job done. Um, I think that's what's really hurting the Suns, and that's what's been the kind of the difference maker for for the Bucks, and one of the big reasons why they've been so successful the last three games. I think forcing turnovers um, from Devin Booker and Chris Paul. I think Drew Holiday's doing a fantastic job kind of like disrupting their game plan in a sense and keeping the Bucks in the series. And so they're up 3-2. Um, it's going to be an interesting game tonight. But, Doug, I wanted to point something out to you. I saw this earlier today um, on TikTok. I don't know if you know this podcast, but it's called Pardon My Take, and they're a bar- I think they're a Barstool podcast, and they pretty much just talk about sports. But the main guy, his name is Big Cat, um, and he read aloud on the show today that there's last night's game or excuse me game five was something that's only happened twice in over 32,000 NBA games since 1995 you ready to hear this Doug 
this stat that I saw? I am ready to hear this. I'm, I'm, I've heard of part of my take. I've seen a few clips of it on YouTube. I don't ever watch like full episodes, but I am familiar with those guys, so I am excited for this. Yeah, I just saw a little TikTok clip they, that they posted on there. I don't even watch the show either, but so only two teams out of only two games out of thirty-two thousand one hundred and eighty-one NBA games since nineteen ninety-five had a team that shot over 55% from the floor, over 65% from the three-point range, and over 90% from the free-throw line, and lost. And the Suns in Game 5 were one of those two teams in like 32,000 games since 1995. To lose a game after shooting 50, over 55% overall, 65% from three, and 90% from the free-throw line. So, I mean, that's wow. pretty crazy. That is That is crazy, and I'm... Th- that is very interesting. You know, looking at the numbers right now to try to figure out maybe why that happened, I see that they went 10 of 11 from the line. So 11 free throws attempt is not that much. So they weren't, like, racking up easy points there, even though they went up 90. They went 91% from the line, but only up 10 of 11, so only 10 points. 13 of 19 from three for 68%. So 13 threes is, like... 13 of 19, is that, that wins you most games. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 13 is not... I mean, we've seen, like, crazy stuff with the three-point revolution over this last decade or so and how teams have, are, are spacing the ball out more and focusing more on analytics. So the three-pointer the three pointer has definitely come, become, you know, much more prevalent since maybe 2010, 2012 or so, you know, the last 10 years. But 13 and 19 is very decent. And then 48 of 87 overall from the field for 55%. You know, it's just a solid shooting performance. I mean, it got them 119 points which, I mean, it was a close game. So it's clear that, I mean, the Bucks weren't making their free throws. They went 9 of 17, but 9 of 17. We already talked about that already. Yeah. But so, I mean, if you compare this, right, so the Bucks made 9 free throws, the Suns made 10. The Bucks made 14 threes, the Suns made 13. And the Bucks made 50 field goals overall. And the Suns made 48. So it was just very... Both teams shot well from the field and from, and from three. It's just... It was just so happened that the... Um, it was just a minor difference that... Really, yeah. It's just a little... It's, it's not even worth it going through the numbers like that most most of the time because it's little things like... You're just looking at who, who scored more points in the end. Right, but, but it's, it's crazy. Over yeah. 31,000 games yes, since yes. 1995... It had only happened once before that, and Game Five was another example. So, out of two, two out of thirty-one thousand games is kind of crazy. It, it just shows. Sho- it just shows you, at least in my opinion, that the Bucks capitalized on the opportunities that was given to them. I mean, the steals differential or the total turnovers. The Bucks had more turnovers. They had three more turnovers, but they somehow scored more points off those turnovers. 17 compared to 16 points off the turnovers, but yet they had three more turnovers committed. And then 21 fast break points compared to the 12 from the Suns. So from what I'm seeing from that is the big difference between these two teams is whenever the Bucks force a turnover on the Suns, they're able to capitalize and they're able to score points. And whether it be a three-point shot, whether it be a fast break dunk from Giannis, whatever the case is, they're able to do that more efficiently than the Suns. I, I I don't know what else to tell you. That's that's a that's a pretty crazy stat that I I heard today, and I just I didn't believe it because when I I thought that this both teams shot really well, 
um, just from watching the game and now looking at these stats, I mean, if you take the total, like the final score off the screen and you look and you just see, okay, well, they shot 55%, they shot 68%, and they shot 98%. You're like, oh, they, they probably won. And they made 13 threes. Yeah, yeah, they probably won. And then you look at the final score and they lost. I, I, I found that to be very interesting today and just kind of like almost history in, you know, in the books. Yeah, it, it kind of goes to show you the Suns weren't having massive, you know, offensive problems. They were, right. I mean, you know, there was that strip that Drew Holiday had on Devin Booker, but that wasn't like the story of the game where the Suns, you know, kept, they, they, they didn't keep turning it over. You look at, you know, the full stats and the Suns only had, um, or not only, but they had five turnovers on the game, which is not bad. The Bucks, for comparison, had 11 turnovers. So it the Suns played well. They didn't play terrible. They didn't go out and get killed. You know, it wasn't anything like that. It just, if anything, it goes to show you that Game 6 isn't necessarily, like, sealed. The deal isn't sealed. I mean, like, you know, if, if the Suns come out of force at Game 7, I don't think anyone would be shocked. But we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, and, and also, too, like, it wasn't offensive struggles for the Suns, but you look at the defensive numbers, at least what they show you. I mean, they committed three more fouls, sure, but they had more points in the paint. They had nine, the Suns, they had nine steals and five blocks defensively. The Bucks had seven steals and only one block. So just from looking at that, it, sh- it tells me that the Suns played a better defensive game, at least from shot blocking and getting steals, I guess what then the issue is is just like I said before, it was just the Bucks were able to capitalize on those turnovers from guys like Booker and, and Chris Paul. They were just able to turn those into points, I guess, more efficiently. But crazy stat there. Game six tonight. I have the Bucks winning tonight. I think that they're just <laughs> well, I'll use the stat that I just brought up. For for in over thirty one thousand games, for it only to happen one other time and, and the Bucks were able to, you know, uh that kind of like out, uh, outperform the odds in a sense. I I just think that this team is on um, just on a roll in this finals. I think it'll be close for sure. And if I'm a betting person, I don't know if I'm quote unquote hammering the Bucks minus five line. But I will tell you that I I probably would say the Bucks are going to win this game tonight. I know the 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 NBA fan inside me wants to say that the Suns are going to force a game seven. That it's going to be you know, a, a Saturday night game, or I, I forget, what is it, probably like a Friday night, Thursday night game, whatever, in Phoenix, game seven, it's all on the line, whichever team wins the championship, I, I that's the NBA and fans inside of me telling me that, but my brain is just telling me the Bucks have just looked really good these past three games, they've they figured it out, that from the first two games, they just didn't look anywhere like the team they are now, after winning the past three, they've, they've figured it out, uh, and I have them winning game six, probably by a couple of points. So that's where I stand with the game tonight for the Bucks and the Suns. Doug, you also said you think the Bucks are going to win tonight, so you and I both agree there. Welcome back to the crew. Locks of the Week is up right now. Dylan Allen, Doug Willick joining you here 
on this Tuesday afternoon, 6.30 p.m. Hope you guys are enjoying the show so far. We talked about the Bucks and the Suns, the NBA Finals, the Game 6 happening tonight. The Bucks are leading that series 3-2. to two. We kind of gave our opinions on the past Game 5 and the rest of the series and what we think is going to happen tonight, but it's locks of the week, Doug. I am going to start us off here. I'm going to take the Bucks money line here, minus 198. I think that they're just going to win this game, and if you were listening to us about five minutes ago, you heard why, but... I just think what I've what I've seen from the Bucks, they look like a team that has just figured it out and they're just on a roll. Winning the past three games against the Suns after starting off down 0-2, they've been able to win three in a row, two at home, and then one in Phoenix. I think that they're going to win again in Milwaukee. I just I like what I've seen from Giannis, even without the free throws. He was four of eleven from the line last last game, which is not good at all. But even with that, they were still able to win the game by four points. Uh, and I just think that this Bucks team has figured out a way to kind of work around Giannis's uh, f- kind of like free throw woes in a, in a sort. Like, they've been able to figure out how to win games without him making free throws. And I think it all starts with Drew Holiday. The guy's an absolute machine. And you can make the argument that Middleton is also a machine, and I agree with you. But I think that the difference maker for this Bucks team is Drew Holiday because... You look at the past couple of games that they've played. In my opinion, Drew Holiday is the most likely player to be, you know, a boomer bust. And what I mean by that is there's there's going to be a game where he'll shoot, let's say, like twenty percent overall, or there's a game where he'll shoot more than fifty percent. And that's what we saw last game. He shot twelve of twenty overall, three of six from three, had thirteen assists, three steals, a block, and had twenty seven points as well. I think this is, that's the difference make, maker for this team. Chris Middleton has been giving the Bucks quite a performance this whole playoff run, even against the Nets in the second round. Um, or, yeah, in the second round. So I think that the Bucks' missing piece, or not the missing piece, but the piece that's boomer bust for me is Drew Holiday. And he showed to me last game that he was an absolute boom, and I think he's going to continue that performance into tonight's game. So I am hammering the muck, the Bucks money line minus one ninety eight for the Bucks to win the NBA Finals. Doug, what is your choice tonight? So for tonight, um, I'm going to do this on the same game, Bucks Suns, and I am going to you know look at that minus five, and I think that not only do I think the Bucks win. But I think they win by more than five, because I so I would have the Bucks covering here. And the reason I think this is because, you know, they have the momentum. Momentum is very important. You know, we know that in sports, even either over the course of a game or, you know, the course. Excuse me. You know, over the the course of a game or over the course of a season, or in this case, over the course of a series. So the Bucks have won three games in a row. And they have the momentum here coming into Game 6. You know, they're the five-point favorite on that line. Look at ESPN's BPI. They got that 58% chance of winning. I mean, I think Giannis, Middleton, Holiday, like you highlighted, they can go off. P.J. Tucker maybe hasn't been putting up big numbers, but he's still got a defensive presence. You know, Brooke Lopez uh, does what he does at times. Not always, but uh, I'm, I'm definitely a little biased. I mean, I'll be rooting for Brooke Lopez because he's the – the Nets' all-time leading scorer 
in the because he played for the Nets from 08 to 17. So the nine years he uh, had here, you know, has some bias towards him. But you know, putting my personal biases aside, uh, like I mentioned, they have the momentum, you know, and I think that Phoenix. You know, Chris Paul's had a couple good games this series, but he's also had some turnover issues that he hasn't had or that he doesn't usually have. So with that being said, and, you know, with that being said, I just think that Milwaukee can pull it away today uh, or tonight, and I think that they do so with a more than a five-point win. I think it's a maybe a double-digit win. You know, I'm not saying it's going to be like a 40- or 30- or 20-point blowout, but maybe a 10- or 12-point win. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens, and I think that Milwaukee gets that done tonight. Yeah, and you mentioned your your love for Brooke Lopez as a Nets fan. I, I have a friend. His name is Mike. He's a big Nets fan, too, and he's a big Brooke Lopez fan, and uh, he's been kind of rooting for him as well, so I understand that relationship. I believe he's your leading scorer in franchise history. Am I, am I correct in saying that? Yes, he is. So, that, so that's pretty cool. Uh, I'm sure as a Nets fan, you... I honestly I like Brooke Lopez. I'm not even a Nets fan. So I hope he gets the ring as well. On the flip side, I hope to see, you know, Chris Paul get a, a ring as well. People saying I see I see stuff online people are saying like he's not deserving. Well, not not that he's not deserving, but when people say CP3 deserves a ring, they show like clips of him kind of choking in the playoffs with the Clippers. Kind of like what we're seeing now, him turning the ball over a little too much, giving the team opportunities to score more points and stuff like that, but um I just wanted to bring up one more one more thing I saw on my FanDuel app before we had the break. They on FanDuel sometimes they do odd boosts, uh kind of like events, if you will. Um and for the Bucks Suns game, Chuck Bar uh Charles Barkley, I assume, his NBA boost that he they they gave him an odd boost or whatever, he has Phoenix winning this game by one to ten points. Um and it was it was plus two sixty, but with the odd boost, it was it's now plus three sixty. Uh, obviously, Doug, you and I disagree with that. I think we both believe the Bucks are going to win. Interesting, though, that Charles Barkley is still on the Suns train. I would have thought by now he's a uh, on the Bucks train, but I thought that was interesting just to bring up. I listen. I can see the Suns winning this game. Do I think it'll happen? No, but I can definitely see, you know, some people that would say they will. I can see why that they would think that. I mean, again, they the Suns had a performance last game that's pretty much won over 31,000 times, and it just so happened that this was the second time in history since 1995 where it didn't happen. So this team is still very capable to go out there and win this game. Devin Booker scored 40 points again. Chris Paul, 21 points, 11 assists. If they can just take care of the ball better than they did last game and stop giving Milwaukee so many extra opportunities, I think that the Suns can actually win this game. But unfortunately, I believe that the Suns are going to repeat history and kind of do what they did in Game 5. I think the Bucks will continue to take advantage of those turnovers, uh, and I think Giannis will have a great night. I'm going to say he's going to score at least 35 in this game, and they're going to win the game. I can't give you a score, but... Uh, I, I definitely have the Bucks winning this one. And, Doug, any final thoughts before we head to break on this one? Yeah, I mean, with, with, with Charles Barkley, it's interesting because, you know, I know the NBA on, this is just a little side note, not really super relevant, but just with that, you know, when, with the conference finals games on TNT and those other games throughout the playoffs and regular season on TNT, we get to see that iconic 
you know, uh, I don't know what the show was called, NBA on TNT or whatever it's called. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, Charles Barkley. Inside Kenny, the NBA. Yeah, yeah, Inside the NBA, where you have Charles, Shaq, Kenny, and EJ. And, you know, those guys are probably more known than most NBA players. I mean, I know, the, you know, obviously the stars are bigger than them, but those guys are very well known. So once we get to the finals, you know, we don't get that, that usual panel. Instead, you know, there's the panel of... Um, they got, who do they got? They got, like, Woj, uh, I think, like, Jay Williams, Jalen Rose, and, and like, Maria Taylor. So it, it's just interesting, you know, we don't see Charles Barkley's face, you know, telling us some insane take. I mean, I thought that he was – so you, you said that – what was that odds boost with him and something with the Suns? Yeah, it was – so he basically had the Suns winning the game by by 1 to 10 points. So I think you can bet right. the point he mark. Played for the, he, he played for the Suns. He was – Yeah, so I, there's yeah. a little bit bias there. Yeah, because I, I know, like, well, you know, the last time the Suns were in the finals was 93, and that was, of course, you know, he was on that team. I believe yeah. he won M- MVP that year. I'm not sure. He won one MVP in his career. I'm pretty sure it was that year. So, yeah, I mean, this is big for both teams. The Suns, I mean, it, it's been said 100 times, but the Suns have only made the finals twice in franchise his- history. Uh, 93, which we just talked about, and then 76, which... I think most people don't know about. They lost to the Celtics that year. And then you look at the Bucks, and they've only, uh, you know, only won one title. They won in 71, and then they haven't been to the finals since 74. So we already knew this. We've said this a bunch of times that we have two franchises that have not had a lot of success. And, you know, whichever team wins, if the Bucks, you know, win tonight or if they win in seven, it'll be their first title in 50 years. And if the Suns end up winning in seven, it'll be their first title in franchise history. So a lot on the line. And uh, I'm excited to see what happens. I, I think Milwaukee pulls this out, but if Charles Barkley is right, then, you know, maybe we'll have a game seven. I'm fine either way. I just like watching exciting basketball, and I don't really have a strong rooting interest, so I'm good with whatever happens. Welcome back to the crew. We just talked about the Bucks and the Suns in their NBA Finals Game tonight, game six. We both think Doug and I think that the Bucks are going to win that series. Uh, they are up three to two right now. So, with a win tonight, they would win. I don't. I believe their first championship in how long, Doug? I I know you said it before. First since nineteen seventy one. Yeah, fifty so years. Long time for the Bucks. Long time coming. And I think it'd be nice to see a new face win the championship. And that's what I think really is kind of. Um, nice about the NBA Finals this year. You know, it won't be Kevin Durant or it won't be LeBron James with another ring. It'll be new guys. It'll be Devin Booker, Chris Paul. It'll be maybe Giannis, Chris Middleton. So I think that's why this NBA Finals is really interesting to watch, at least for me. Um, But let's turn things to the NFL, Doug. And it's too bad that we couldn't have Christian on the show tonight uh, because he is the Packers fan in the group here. But some news that I guess Christian wouldn't be too thrilled to hear about. Aaron Rodgers declined a two-year extension from the Green Bay Packers that would have made him the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL and would have had him in Green Bay for five or more seasons, or for five more seasons, excuse me. So he has three years left on his deal. Uh, With the two-year extension, it would have made it five, and he would have been paid the highest amount, and he declined it. With all these rumors stirring around, Doug, and him not liking his situation in Green Bay and it not being about the personnel on the team, it more being about ownership and you know, uh, relationships with the front office. In your opinion, Doug, do you think Green Bay will have Aaron Rodgers suited up as their quarterback for week one this year? No, I think no, because 
it's pretty clear, you know, Rogers has had the opportunity to, you know, publicly commit and say I'm gonna play. You know, we had that uh that big golf match with Tom Brady and he was asked I don't remember by who, but one of the hosts asked him, you know, are you gonna be the are you gonna play with the Packers week one? He just said, you know, we'll see. He said, I don't know. Like he he gave a non committal answer. He's you know, we did an interview on Sports Center, I think, with uh Kenny Mames in his last show. And Rodgers gave a non committal answer. So he's spoken publicly about this. It's not like we don't really know his stance. Like, we do know his stance. Right. And his stance is that he's not committing to the Packers. So now that this new report comes out that says he was offered, uh, I think it said, what was it, like the most, the largest extension to make him the highest paid quarterback? Or it would have made him something. the highest paid QB in the league. Uh, he signed a four year deal for $134 million back in August of 2018. Uh, which was which included a fifty-seven and a half million dollar signing bonus. Um, so he is set to make fourteen point seven million dollars on the base salary and a six point eight million dollar roster bonus. So you do the math in your head; it's just above twenty-one million dollars on the books this year. But yeah, he turned down a big contract. Would have made him the highest paid. Yeah. So I, I guess this just means I mean, like, I don't know. I guess the Packers got it. I don't think he wants to play there. It's it's not a buddy thing. He just doesn't like management. And they offered to make it the play the highest paid, you know, like we just heard here with this new report. And yet with him not committing, it just means I don't think he wants to play there. So once management makes a decision like, okay, we're gonna trade our guy, I mean, they're gonna have to make that decision at some point because I don't think they're gonna persuade him to stay. Yeah, and it's and it hasn't been released the amount of money that was offered to him in the two year extension, but uh, if we did the math, I don't know. Like Doug, I'm thinking if he would, be, if he was going to be the highest paid quarterback in the league, wouldn't that mean he'd be making over fifty million dollars a year more than Patrick Mahomes? Because isn't that what Mahomes is making right now? Yeah, I mean, not gonna lie to you, like this contract stuff gets very confusing very quickly, and it's not clear like which money comes first, which year, and which bonus starts. You know, count towards where, and then you gotta get like, I don't even know, like all the salary cap stuff is just very confusing. So I, not gonna lie to you, I don't know the specifics. I think Mahomes is getting like forty or fifty million a year. Yeah, I don't know like the exact numbers, but right, I'm, the looking fact that, I'm looking now. I'm looking now. Okay, okay. Let's see. Um, so I believe he what he did was he signed a contract extension, uh, Patrick Mahomes. So. The big money, like the really, really big money, uh, he made ten million dollars, uh, uh, just above ten million dollars last year. This year, he's set to make twenty-two million. Next year, twenty-nine million, and then in twenty twenty-three, when I believe that extension really kicks in, he'll be making forty million. Then the next year, thirty-eight million. Then forty-two million. Forty-two million. Then he, then he'll be making sixty million. 44 million, 40, 45 million, oh 50 God. million, 52 million. So He's... my point is, if he would be the highest paid quarterback in the league, I got to look and see, because I guess Mahomes' contract hasn't kicked in yet. I got to see who has the highest um, contract right now. Yeah, I guess it is. I guess it is Patrick Mahomes. I He's making, now this says 45 million. So I don't know what to believe, but they're saying he's making 45 million. And I guess they're including what he's set to make in the future. But Dak Prescott's in second, making 40. Deshaun Watson's in third, making 39. And then Seattle, and then Russell Wilson's making 35. And then Green Bay, 
Aaron Rodgers is in fifth, making 33.5. So he'd be making more than $45 million a year, and he turned that down still, which is kind of surprising to me. Not surprising, but it's at that point, if you're unhappy with your situation, me personally, I would take that. I don't really care what's going on with your organization, me personally, but I guess he really doesn't like what's going on there. If you're turning down 45 plus a year, I mean, that's that's pretty crazy to turn down. I, he must have thought in his head, like, damn, this is a lot of money. And he's and he's probably second guessing himself. But but, but he's also like set at this point, right? Like hasn't he? Oh, made, I'm aware. He's how much made has enough he made money. so far in his career? Probably he's, like he's definitely made enough money. Oh, there's no doubt. But my yeah. point is, with that on the table, you know, the guy says, "Hey, Aaron, here's uh, we're gonna pay you forty-seven million dollars for the next, you know, two years. Is that okay with you?" And then all that beef that you might have with the guy you're like listen i know i'm set for life but i'm playing anyway if i just sign two more years i'm making another 90 million dollars which you know if he wanted to could go to charity or something he doesn't have to keep it but definitely it definitely would have made me second guess myself for sure i i know he's probably set for life but definitely interesting that he declined that at least from a i don't know just somebody who i can't imagine Doug put all the beef aside if you're if you're offered 90 million dollars in a two-year span you're definitely going to reconsider your initial thought no yeah i guess he he maybe he put thought into it that being said i feel like he can make like other organizations are willing to pay him too i'm sure i mean i don't know how it like when he gets traded i guess the other org do they pay the remainder of the contract or do they negotiate a new one or so i think i, I think the the team that let's say rogers gets traded I right. think that the Packers have to pay um, a the certain, guaranteed money, right? Well, yes, that that's already paid to him, I believe. Right, right. And I think that they have to pay the dead cap. Oh, so okay. They have to pay that. And I think I think there was something like maybe after June 1st, maybe it was May 1st. I forget which day it was. But after that day, if they had traded him the day before, let's say they had to pay him $25 million in dead cap. If they t- if they traded him the day after, they'd, ha- they'd only have to pay, let's say, 10 The point being... The day after that deadline or whatever, they they would pay less in the the dead cap. So that's probably why he they haven't traded him. Uh, at least when the when the rumors first came out, they wanted to wait until they could pay less money on the dead cap. But now it's been like at least a month or two since that the initial news came out, and now with this, it's even it, it sways me to believe even more that he won't be a Packer come week one. Like with the initial news, I thought that they were gonna figure it out and that he was gonna eventually you know come around and play for the Packers because. I, even with the initial stories, I didn't believe it was that deep. Like, I thought it was just something that would blow over, maybe something from last season that he didn't like, and, you know, if they fixed a couple things, that it would kind of just be pushed under the rug, if you will. And now it's it seems declining. What I'm speculating, at least $90 million in two years, declining that just tells me that he just does not want to play for that team anymore. Uh, and it, and it kind of sucks because I can only imagine if, like, let's say he was like a giant Doug, Right, like, a, and he won us the Super Bowl back in 2010, and ever since then he's taken us to the playoffs like nine out of ten years, and he's never won it again. And he's you know lost game after game, heartbreak after heartbreak. As a fan, it must suck. You're throwing all the money in the world towards him, and he still doesn't want to play for you. And as a fan, you can't even do anything about it. Uh, so it's just if he was a giant dog, and I'm sure you agree that I would be in a state of depression at the moment. Yeah, it's. I mean, Packers fans, if if Rodgers has played his last game as a Packer, 
I mean, you got a Super Bowl out of him, so it was definitely not like a terrible run. I mean, it, it could have been more Super Bowls, but I got the Packers fans are probably upset. That being said, any trade that happens, they're definitely going to get a lot in return, like a lot. I know that the Packers don't have really any leverage because every other team knows that uh, Rodgers wants out, so other teams have the leverage in that case, but that doesn't mean that teams are going to get you know, a huge load of players and picks. So are the Packers are going to get a huge load of players and picks if they end up feeling Rodgers. I mean, I know the Broncos were, like, rumored originally as a destination, but I don't – I haven't been seeing reports of, like, you know, all the Packers are in talks with Team X or Team Y about, you know, the deal, like, talking right. a deal for Rodgers. So I don't know what's going on if they're either not discussing potential trades or if they are discussing it, but it just hasn't been reported. I, I don't know what's going on there. Maybe they're just keeping it really secretive, keeping it in the house. If that's the case, they've been doing a good job because there hasn't been any big reports on that. Right. So I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on there, but I figure he's going to get traded. That's still my guess. I still think he's going to get traded. Yeah. I, I, I think I remember when the initial reports came out that he didn't want to be a Green Bay Packer, that there were some teams that were listed that he would have interest in going to. Uh, I believe, if my memory serves me right, it was, I believe, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Denver Broncos, and the New York Giants, and maybe one other team I'm forgetting. But those were like the three teams that I really remember. And as a Giant fan, back when those reports came out, I was super psyched. But at the same time, I, I, in the back of my head, I knew it wasn't a reality because whether you think Daniel Jones will be a good quarterback or not, it doesn't make sense for this team to trade all their assets, all their picks in the future for Aaron Rodgers, who's going to be making a crap ton of money, and for a guy who's... You know, his retirement is inevitable. It's going to be pretty soon. So you're pretty much throwing away your whole future, this whole four or five year span of crappy football that you're just, you spent rebuilding, getting picks, drafting players, trading for players, contract signings. You're basically throwing that all out the window to try and win now and with one of the worst offensive lines in the league. It just wouldn't happen and it wouldn't work. So I think that the more realistic options would be Denver and maybe the Raiders. But it, it seems like the Raiders like Derek Carr there, and Derek Carr loves being there. So I don't really see them moving on from him. If they didn't if they didn't want to sign Tom Brady, and I'm just going off of that quote, if you remember from like that TV show where Tom Brady said that you were sticking with those expletives, right? And everyone was speculating he was talking about the Raiders. So if that's true... What then makes me think that the Raiders are going to trade all their future and their picks and their assets for Aaron Rodgers if they weren't willing to just do a free agency signing for Tom Brady? So that just that brings me down to just the Denver Broncos, a team that has a young core that really needs a quarterback and has a really good defense. Like they're they're a good team and they're a quarterback away from being a contender in the AFC, in my opinion. They still have Von Miller. They drafted the rookie corner, cornerback uh, Patrick Sertain out of Alabama. I believe they signed one of the Fuller brothers, who's another quarter, cornerback. Uh, I believe they signed him from the Bears. They have Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, who's a, a good player that came out last year. Um, Noah Fant at the tight end. They have a pretty good offensive line. So they have a pretty good team. They're just a quarterback away, and Drew Locke has been nothing but garbage these past couple seasons. So I think that's the most realistic option for Aaron Rodgers as a trade place to go, but it's going to be tough, man. You're asking to trade at least two or three first-round picks for Aaron Rodgers, plus a pretty good quarterback or a pretty good young player. 
That's a lot asking for a, for a team that's you know in the middle of their rebuild. So the, the Packers organization is kind of in a tough spot here. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's, I mean, you know, we're used to kind of seeing these storylines, I think, in like the NBA of a, a big star player kind of forcing a trade. But I don't think we are kind of as used to this in the NFL. I mean, Deshaun Watson, prior to um, all the assault allegations coming out against him in, in the, um, around May or so, you know, this was the big storyline with him. I mean, he was forcing a trade. And, you know, we kind of hadn't seen a big star quarterback kind of try to force a trade like that, at least recently. Maybe something obvious is slipping my mind, but it was interesting to see Watson do that. Of course, then the um, allegations kind of overshadowed anything that's going to, any trade that was going to happen there. And now it's unclear if, his, if he'll even be playing this season. But um, in terms of Rodgers, uh, I don't know. I mean, he is certainly, you know, older than Watson. I I don't have I don't have their exact ages up, but I think he's at least a decade I think, older. I think so. Rogers is like thirty seven. Yeah, so he's old. I mean, obviously he's still playing at an MVP level. He won literally won MVP last season, so he's old but still very valuable. And the fact that he wants out, I mean, we've said it a hundred times, and everyone else has said it a hundred times. But yeah, you know, wherever he goes, it, it, that that's huge, and that you know turns the team around. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, but I still, my belief, but I said before, is that he has not played with the Packers this season. So, moving on from all that Aaron Rodgers talk, we're sticking with the NFL here. Um, Cam Akers, running back for the Los Angeles Rams, tore his Achilles today. He'll be out for the entirety of the 2021 season. And, uh, Doug, while we were uh, on break there, we were talking, we, the us two were kind of big into fantasy football, and so with the running back position kind of being the lucrative position for fantasy football, you want all the best running backs you can get They're They're pretty much the guys who will score you the most points every week. How big of a blow is this for fantasy football people for Cam Akers to not be in the season? And then also how big of a blow is it for the Rams to not have Cam Akers? Yeah, it, it's a big um, blow on both fronts. And I'll, I'll look at the, the Rams side first before talking about the, um, the fantasy football aspect, but I think that this means that the um, the Rams need to pick up a running back because if we look at the running backs on their roster, who do they have? So Rams running backs, they have obviously Cam Akers, but now he has torn his Achilles. And, I mean, they have Jake Funk, Darrell Henderson. Yeah, Dar- like, that Henderson guy I think will be the starting uh, running back for them. Yeah, unless they consider... Um, Unless they consider signing a, yeah, so. You know, it's funny. Did you say Jake Funk? I did. He just came up on a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I recognize that name, and I'm looking now. He's the running back from Maryland. They drafted him in the seventh round this year. I remember him. He was like the the short and stocky uh, running back from Maryland, and he's a pretty good good running back, but I I just the name I recognize. He uh, played against Rutgers a few times then, right? Yeah, he had a pretty big game, I think. Um, but Word. but yeah, so Daryl Henderson Jr. is their main guy, uh, and they're probably going to be relying on some of their younger guys. I mean, Jake Funk's a rookie. Um, they're th- at this point their second stringer is Xavier Jones, and I, if I'm being honest, I really haven't heard of this guy. He he, I don't think he's even played. 
This is only his second year in the league, so I think you're right. They're going to have to go pick up a running back, but I'll let you finish your point. Yeah, no, no, no. I was going to say that because I have um, NFL Network on in the background on mute at the beginning of the show, and they just, you know, they were listing notable free agent running backs. I noticed McCoy, uh, LaShawn McCoy is a free agent. Todd Gurley's a free agent. Frank Gore is a free agent, though he's a bit older. So there's guys, I mean. Adrian Peterson, too, I saw. Adrian Peterson was on the list, yes. So there are guys for them to pick up. I mean, those are the guys with the most name recognition, not necessarily the highest value at this point. But um, I don't know if they, you know, they go to pick one of those guys up or one, uh, not a a guy that might be, you know, younger, not as big a name, but might have have more value in terms of actual field production. So we'll see. I mean, I don't think Fung. You know, for all the disruption he did in the Big Ten, I don't think he's going to, you know, he was a seventh-round pick. So, like like you just said, probably if it's not if it's not um, Darrell Henderson, we'll have to pick someone up. Yeah. And then in terms of fantasy football impact, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't really looked at fantasy football, like, rankings yet. I try, I try not to get into it too early. Like, I don't want to, like, obsess myself with it because I know people who get obsessed with it. So I kind of like to just wait till like August. But how high up ranked was Cam Akers on the running backs list? If you if you've looked at this, yeah. Well, I haven't. To be fair, I haven't looked at it either. But all I can say is I remember last year when he was drafted. The talk was he was going to be a sleeper pick in the uh, in your fantasy football drafts because of the fact that they really didn't have any running back depth either. If you think about it, I, I believe when Cam Akers was Cam Akers was drafted, Henderson was also drafted, or at least was there um, for a, a year maybe. So it was the, it was Akers and Henderson, and there really wasn't a number one, and so people were banking on Akers really branching out in the league with their pretty good offensive line and him becoming the everyday back for the Rams. And people picked him up last year, and he was hot and cold. But this year. I think everyone was thinking that he was the proven starter and that he was going to have a good season with Matt Stafford there instead of Jared Goff, a pretty electric offense. And so everyone had high hopes for him because he was going to be the everyday back. And as I pointed out, running backs are like the main position in fantasy. But with this injury, now it's kind of like a setback for some people that thought they could have maybe gotten him in the third, maybe the fourth, fifth round. He would have been one of those guys, Doug, to put in perspective that you would have gotten in like the fourth or fifth round that would have given you probably like 13 to like 18 points a week, something like that. And so would have been kind of a sleeper pick. And honestly, he might be ranked higher in the fantasy ratings than I am giving him credit for. Like he might be ranked a early third round pick or something, but I was definitely looking to draft him uh, this year. So it sucks that you can't draft him now, but... Daryl Henderson, if they don't pick anyone up, like if they don't sign any of these free agent running backs, then he's going to be the number one guy, and so that's another guy to look at too. Yeah, I mean, I just pulled up some random fantasy football rankings, and they have him ranked as the 10th best running back. I'm not saying this web. I'm just looking at some random website. I don't know. It's fantasy football calculator. Never heard of that. But, yeah, so he's certainly big. And with that, I mean, it's it's 6.59. We already – it's much different with this hour-long crew. It's much quicker, but I feel like we're also more concise with it. So I feel like there's benefits to that. But, I mean, I don't have any, any last thoughts, but I think this has been a nice hour discussion. I'm, I'm just excited to watch the NBA Finals tonight. Yeah, and with that, we're going to wrap up the crew. NBA Finals action tonight. Game 6 will Giannis and Chris Middleton 
bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy to Milwaukee, or will the Phoenix Suns and Devin Booker force a Game 7 and hopefully win that one in Phoenix? We will see. Some more Aaron Rodgers news may come out later on. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. We'll see you guys next Tuesday. Crew is also on tomorrow night, 6 p.m. We will see you next time. You are listening to WRSU. Uh, You were listening to The Crew on WRSU-FM, New Brunswick. When might you be buzzed? When you suddenly love everything. You guys, I love this song. I love these nachos. I love our kickball league. I love this guy. What's your name? You know what I'd love? A ride when it's time to head out.